Hello, everyone. This is Erica Spicer Mason, writer and editor with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you so much for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Duff Borasa, the managing director of DSO MSO Growth at E78 Partners, who will discuss month end close for DSOs, how to leverage key KPIs to drive value, as well as the importance of financial planning and analysis. Duff, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. Excited to be a part of this. Wow, we're thrilled to learn from you here. But before we get started, I was wondering if you could just give our listeners a little bit of context, maybe share a little bit about your professional background as well as E78 Partners. Absolutely. You know, I, I kind of came to dental uh, through a unique route. So I was an insurance uh, owner. I uh, managed a an insurance agency and and just had a lot of dental clients and so was really kind of fascinated uh, by that uh, by the industry as a whole and so started to work with uh, private equity firms that were buying uh, other dental practices and they allowed me to build out the risk management strategy for the insurance program for these dentist groups and so as I got to learn and meet these these dentists I started to see that uh, most of the time when they were partnering with the DSO they didn't have uh, any representation. And, uh, you know, I just thought that that was a good opportunity for me. And so I became a, a dental broker, started doing sell-side advisory work with these dentists and uh, really just fell in love with the industry and saw how, how profitable it was. And, and just how it was just a good opportunity for, for both the DSOs and for, for dentists and at a whole. So that, that kind of led me uh, to research DSOs as, as you're a sell-side advisor, you want to make sure you provide the best partner uh, for the dentist. And so I, I spent uh, years researching uh, every DSO I could find to learn how they partnered, what they were looking for. Uh, and ultimately, you know, wanted to feel confident that I was providing, you know, a, the right service uh, to my clients. And so along the way, uh, I ran across a group called E78 Partners and really was intrigued by what they were doing and how they were helping uh, the industry as a whole grow. And so that uh, that kind of led me to E78 and, and to the position I'm at uh, today. And so just a quick blurb about E78, you know, uh, we are a consulting and advisory firm. Uh, we provide accounting and technology services to middle market companies. Our founders actually came from private equity. So they were uh, acquire, acquiring founder-led companies, and they found that most of the companies they were buying really lacked the true accounting and finance function, and they rarely were investing in technology. And so as they started E78, the, they really wanted to bring sort of the sophistication of a Fortune 500 level accounting finance and technology team down to the middle markets uh, so that they can better drive those smaller companies. And so, you know, that makes a lot of sense from a dentist standpoint, because dentists go to school to learn how to work in the mouth. They don't really know how to run a business from a finance standpoint. And so our goal is to really educate them and, and give them those resources. Well, thanks so much, Duff, for that overview. That's really helpful. And I mean, it sounds like you must know this industry inside and out coming from, you know, having your own insurance agency with dental clients to where you are now with E78. Um, sounds like you have, I'm sure you have a lot of great insights to give us here as we're talking about finances in general. So to get us started, just especially based on all experience you have in the industry, I'm wondering if you can share with us your high-level assessment of how the business of dentistry has really evolved recently. 
especially considering what we're seeing with widespread consolidation and changes in patient experiences, how has that really changed the business operations for DSOs? Sure. Yeah. So I, I tend to look at the business of dentistry in sort of four distinct buckets. So we've got operations, we've got finance, we've got HR and marketing. And so from an operation standpoint, you know, technology has been the biggest driving factor uh, of change in how dentistry works today. Patients now, days, they they want all of their interactions via their phone. You know, they don't want to talk to anybody anymore. So they want to be able to set an appointment on their phone. They want to fill out all the forms. They want to see their EOB on the phone. They want to be able to pay by their phone. So all that intake has drastically changed. There's, you know, you don't just go and show up in an office and schedule an appointment anymore. It's all done remotely. And so as, as you move to the chair, you know, there's been this sort of shift to what we call emotional dentistry. So, you know, we can now create a virtual smile on the screen and I can physically see what my smile would look like if my teeth were wider, uh, if I got a gap fixed or if I had a crooked tooth, you know, I can physically see what's it going to look like if they fix it. Um, and so as I'm sitting in the chair, that greatly increases the case acceptance, right? I'm much more likely to do that if I can physically see the effects of that. And so that that technology um, has drastically changed uh, a lot for for the groups that are that are implementing it. And the same thing goes with with laser dentistry. You know, we can now do uh, some cavity and gum repairs with lasers. So no more drilling. Uh, so less less pain. Um, you know, you don't hear the drill anymore. So those are all positive things that uh, leads just a better patient experience. And those are the things that we are seeing that really help groups grow. So from an operations standpoint, I would say technology is really the main uh, change there. On the finance side, you know, historically, we had local servers, paper charts, and if you wanted to get any work done, you had to physically go to the office. Well, now everything's moved to the cloud. So I can literally manage 10 stores from one location, or I can do it all from home. Um, so being able to track my revenue trends, my supply variances, Whatever KPIs are important to my group, I can do that all now remotely, and it's all automated. And so really, the, the biggest evolution there is just that ability to take things from a local machine and put it up in the cloud. Everything's so much more scalable, uh, and I can do so much more from, from home or from, uh, from wherever I want to. So from a finance standpoint, that's a huge changer. And then in HR, really, uh, turnover has been the biggest change, right? So post-COVID, they say 10% of hygiene is just never came back. And so how do you keep the staff that you have? Uh, and how do you not have to break the bank to get quality people? And so really, groups that can create that culture uh, and, and find ways to, you know, touch, touch in with their people and keep them motivated, keep them involved in the, in the office. Uh, those are the groups that are, that are doing well, because the, I don't see that changing anytime soon. You know, the hygiene uh, schools keep saying that enrollment's up, which is great, but uh, we, we still don't see a huge influx. And then every group I talk to struggles to, to find staff. So really just the ability to keep people on an HR standpoint uh, is, is one of the biggest chains. And then last piece is marketing. Really, the main evolution here is just how everything's gone digital. So, you know, historically it was print media and mailers, and then we kind of transitioned into SEO and, and trying to be found easily online. And now it's much more proactive. So there's groups out there that are scraping all the data and all the searches we do on our computers and on our phones 
and they can literally target people with our ads. And so if I uh, if I see someone in my neighborhood that searched teeth whitening, well, I can put an ad on their Facebook feed for I'm offering free whitening with with a cleaning. Um, those those companies out there exist, and it's amazing. And you've probably seen it in your own life. You talk about something or you search something, and next thing you know, it's in your Facebook feed. So that's a huge switch from a marketing standpoint. You've got to be proactive uh, in that in that phase. So you know those are the trends we're really seeing. And um, you know dentistry is still as popular and as profitable as ever, but it is becoming uh, increasingly competitive uh, across those phases. Absolutely, and thanks, Duff, for the way that you outlined that. I really appreciated it. And you know, it sounds like with these shifts and changes and technology digital tools. And then, you know, you mentioned from a finance perspective, really managing a lot of those processes on the cloud, at the same time, (laughs) managing turnover from an HR standpoint, it's a really dynamic environment. So it seems like in this kind of environment, it would be important for DSOs to really ace the fundamentals when it comes to financial operations. So can you share some common operational challenges that tend to hinder dental organizations' financial performance? And what can organizations do here to overcome those challenges? Absolutely. So, you know, integration is what really comes to mind when I think about the operational challenges. You know, most DSOs are growing via acquisition. And so when they do that, they're, you know, essentially... um, everyone's fighting for all these good practices. And so you've got to have, uh, you got to have an integration plan as to how we're going to bring uh, these, these practices on. And, you know, with DSOs, they, they want to promise the world they, they offer, but when they talk to doctors or, Hey, we're going to give you as much autonomy as possible. And from a clinical standpoint, that makes absolute sense. But from an operational standpoint, you, you've got to, You've got to take some of that autonomy away because we need everyone to operate in a similar fashion when it comes to the back office. Uh, because the reality is, is most dentists are, are poor at budgeting and finance. You know, they don't do a 13-week cash flow report. They look at their PL statements at the end of the year when they their ta- their CPA files their taxes. So they really lack the key metrics that are going to allow them to grow. They don't have access to it. So the quicker we can get those offices on board with what our operating processes are, right? How we onboard new patients, what data we enter into the PMS tool, how we verify insurance. All of those things that we do on the front end really have a a ripple effect downstream into how we build out our reports and how we measure the performance of our offices. So the quicker we can integrate these acquisitions into the fold, uh, the better we're going to see a, a return there. And so the first thing I think of is just from an operation standpoint, is just integration. Like we've got to have a solid process into how we integrate those those offices. And then, you know, another common challenge right now is, is the revenue cycle management. Uh, RCM is, is, is a real hot topic in, in the DSO world because most groups struggle to do it well. And, um, you know, we see a lot of companies that use Excel spreadsheets. So they'll download data out of their PMS tool, they'll put them into Excel, they make a a lot of manual manipulation, and then they upload it into their accounting system. It is a very manually intensive process. It's it's horribly inefficient. And it it adds to how long it takes for us to collect money. And so when you're when you think about that process, and now we're also we're trying to grow and acquire. So we go out, we get five more offices. So now we've got five more offices sending us an Excel spreadsheet, and just trying to manage that, it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not feasible for most groups. 
And so it's important to use technology where you can, but it's also important to have a, a, an RCM process that you can utilize across all locations, because if one office does it differently, it throws off the entire report for everybody. So really understanding RCM and having a process in place, that's a, a huge hurdle uh, and something that we see a lot of groups struggle with. And then lastly, uh, the practice management software tool uh, is also a common pain point. You know, we talk about autonomy again, you know, a lot of DSOs don't want to make their offices change. And so they, you know, we see some DSOs that have eight to 10 different practice management tools. And so it's, it's very challenging to support all of those different tools to try to get accurate data uh, and timely reporting. And so we really recommend you got to consolidate, get everyone onto one tool. But even then, once you get everyone on one tool, how staffs use the tool can vary very greatly. So you've got to have a common practice uh, for how everyone's going to use the tool, how we're going to set up customers, what data are we collecting, uh, what codes are we going to use to correlate with the appropriate procedures. So all of the reporting issues that we hear DSOs complain about usually stem from not using the PMS tool correctly. So it's important to get everyone consolidated on, onto one tool. And then it's important to use that tool effectively. And then, you know, creating that standardized process uh, so that we can get to the valuable data. So yeah, integration, RCM, PMS tool, those are those are things that that most groups are struggling with. Uh, and they're they're key uh, if you truly want to grow in this environment. Absolutely. And it sounds like they're key also to um, ensuring payments are collected in a timely way. I think you had mentioned that earlier. So seems Absolutely. like Absolutely. Yeah. So considering those three areas, you know, having an integration plan, revenue cycle management, the PMS, um, are there any specific stories or maybe even case studies that come to mind that highlight an organization that did really well or improved one of those areas? Uh, maybe one of your partners at E78 had some remarkable outcomes. Yeah, so we actually just uh, a couple of months ago released a case study on one of our clients, US Endo. Uh, they have recently rebranded their specialized dental partners now, uh, but uh, they were we were with them from the very beginning. So they knew they wanted to start a national DSO that focused specifically on endodontics. And so they had a very aggressive growth strategy. They wanted to grow specifically via acquisition. And so when they contacted us, they had one practice under uh, LOI. And as a company, they had no infrastructure built yet to support their growth strategy. So they basically came to us and asked to partner with us. And so we became their back office team and their integration team. So started by creating a framework uh, that would be scalable and provide flexibility when they integrate the practices. And so that included uh, their ERP selection, uh, designing the tech stack to support the growth strategy, and then standing up an HR team to manage the people, the payroll, and the benefits. So we were there, uh, you know, from day one and helped them grow from one location to 400 plus. So it's an interesting read. I would encourage uh, listeners to go check it out because um, it, it, it talks a lot about some of the, the pain points that happened along the way. And so, you know, for us, we love to be there in the beginning uh, because it's easier to build from scratch than it is to change mid-course. 
But we also have a lot of clients that have gotten to 40 or 50 locations and they've kind of become stuck, right? They fully, they haven't fully integrated all of their offices. So, you know, they could be struggling to close the books on time. Uh, month in might be taking too long uh, because they have multiple data systems. They can't get accurate reporting. Uh, or maybe uh, because of there's so many manual processes, their back office staff has grown so large and it's killing their profitability. So those are all common issues that we see. And so for those groups, you know, we've had success uh, doing what we call a current state assessment, where we go in and evaluate their people, evaluate the processes, and we evaluate the technology. And so from there, we can kind of create a gap analysis and just understand what's the root cause of the problem. Uh, and then ultimately identify what changes they need to make to be more efficient. And so those are uh, that's those are the kind of the two areas that we focus on. We'd love to be there day one, uh, but if you're a little bit further on down the road, we can certainly come in and support you and meet you where you are. Yeah, that's great to know, Duff. I appreciate that. And pretty remarkable having US Endo grow from one to 400 plus practices. And yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you the the great thing about it is is it, it's not always rosy. So we learned a lot of problems along the way, mm -hmm. and so the good thing is 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 we can tell you what pitfalls to avoid, uh, because you can't grow that big that fast without having some challenges. And so you know we embrace those challenges head on. We've learned a lot from them, uh, and and we we can't wait to share those best practices with with others. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, and. Um, perhaps in the description for this podcast episode, we could potentially link the case study or at least route listeners that way. Um, but before we hop off, you've shared so many great insights. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners before we close here? You know, I, one of the common question I get from, from DSOs is, is they want to learn about what they should be thinking about, what they should be doing, but they don't want to go to a website and, and have to fill out a form and, and get called by, by salespeople. Uh, and so there is a group uh, that I'm a part of. It's called uh, Dental Vendor Industry Network. Uh, initials are DVIN. And ultimately, it's a website where uh, people that are in the industry uh, can post information about what they do, who they support. And DSOs can go there without the fear of being pitched to. So it allows them to, to see what's going on in the industry, to see who some of the vendors are that are supporting uh, the industry. And it's really designed to be a, a collective uh, environment uh, so that everyone is helping everyone out. And so I would encourage if you're a DSO and, and you're struggling in some aspect of your business, go check out the DVIN website and, and see uh, who, who works in that area and, and what vendors are there. You can research and learn about them. And then if it makes sense, you, you control the reach out. You don't have to worry about being sold to. Uh, I'd love to promote that because it's a, it's a good group of people and everyone in there is in the dental industry has dental experience and they're looking to help grow the industry as a whole. That sounds like a really great resource. And I think our listeners will appreciate that, especially the, uh, not having to fear getting pitched to, as you mentioned. Um, so exactly. yeah, thank you so much again, Duff. I really appreciate the time that you took to be with us today and your insights. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. We'd also like to thank our podcast sponsor today, E78 Partners. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.